We pray that the Spirit of God would quicken, that he would heal, that he would open our eyes, and that he would strengthen our spirits. And Lord, we purpose in our heart, we'll not just hear your word today, but we will be doers of it in the name of Jesus. Everyone said amen. Amen. So I want to talk to you this morning about walking with your good, good father. Last week we talked about how that the father loves us as much as he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And since he does, we do not have to be afraid to face life's problems and life's challenges. After all, he is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he did raise him from the dead. And he will raise you up from anything that tries to hold you down and anything that you need to be raised up from He is your good, good father, and he is in the raising business. He is in the raising business. He can lift up your soul if your soul is a little down today. He can lift up your marriage and raise it up. He can even raise up your finances in the name of Jesus. The Apostle Paul was facing some very dire circumstances in Asia, and in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, verses 8 through 10, we're going to look at that and we're going to see something he said about this raising. 2 Corinthians and uh, chapter 1, and we're going to go ahead and look at verses 8 through 10. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we even despaired of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, but in the good, good Father, which raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. I think the message translation is a good translation of this, so let me just read it to you. He says, We don't want you to be in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in the Asia province. It was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we had been sent to death row. And that it was all over for us. But as it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea, since he's the God who raises the dead. And he did it. Rescued us from certain doom. And he'll do it again, rescuing us many times As we need rescuing. Just a friendly reminder today that your good, good father will raise you up. And now he wants us to learn to walk with him. Did you know that your father is looking for walking partners? Perhaps you have a friend that you walk around the neighborhood with, or maybe you walk around Lake Elizabeth in Fremont or Lake Merritt in Oakland, and you have a a walking partner that you can talk with and that you can share your heart with and that you have a mutual respect for. 
Your heavenly Father is looking for walking partners. Do we have anybody that would say, yes, Lord, I will walk with you. Amen. You know, the book of Hebrews says something that's just absolutely outstanding. And without looking at verse 10, I want to notice that in verse 11. He says, and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. And so our good, good father who's looking for walking partners says, you know, you can know me. Wherever you are at in your life, I want to disclose myself. I want to make myself real to you. All shall know me, not just learn about him, not just read about him, but to experience him. To know him, to walk with him, to live in fellowship with him. Paul said something to, the, to the, uh, his son in the faith, Timothy, and I'm going to let my eyes rest on it. So why don't you turn in your Bibles as well to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And notice with me in uh, chapter 1 and verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter uh, 1 and verse 12. says, for this cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. Notice with me, he didn't say, I know what I believe. He says, I know whom I have believed. It's extremely important that we get to know the author of this word. I know in whom I have believed, and as a result, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Coming into an intimate knowledge with your good, good father will bring a confidence into your life. It will bring a persuasion into your life to the degree that whatever he's called you to do, whatever he's placed in front of you, whatever you've committed to him, you know that your good, good father will help you. Your good, good father will strengthen you. He will anoint you to fulfill all that he's called you to do. Say it with me. Faithful is my good, good father who has called me, who will also do it. You know, I'm so glad that he's committed to fulfill his plan in your life and in my life. You know, the scripture says in Philippians, I think it is chapter one, verse six. He who has begun a good work in you, he is going to complete it. He is going to perfect it until he returns. You know, Jesus talked about the, the weight and the great value of knowing him. He even said this. He said, this is eternal life. In other words, this is it, guys. That you may know the only true God, the good, good Father, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. You know, when we talk about walking with our Father, we need to really understand and look at Enoch. Enoch was a man of God that pleased his father. And the way that he pleased his father is that he walked with him. Let's look at that in Hebrews, if you would, just for a moment. Hebrews, the 11th chapter and the 5th verse. By faith. How do we walk with him? We walk with him by faith. That's how Enoch walked with him. 
So by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God translated him. For before he had, before his translation, he had this testimony that he did what? He pleased God. Somebody says, well, Pastor Mark, my hope is that I could please God. Well, you can please God. And when you walk by faith and not by sight, when you draw near to your good, good father, perhaps who you've never seen before, that pleases your father. In Hebrews eleven six, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God, he that draws near to God, must believe that he is. Do you believe he is today? And not only that, but that he is a rewarder of those who will diligently seek him. To experience him, we must seek him. And so this diligence whereby we draw near to him with, don't you know that it pleases him? Your faith pleases God. When you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like saying, praise the Lord, when you don't feel like saying, this is the day that the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. When you open your Bible and you feed on manna from heaven and your good, good father talks to you through the book, don't you know that that pleases your father's heart? And so I want to encourage you to draw near to him. The scripture says, if you will come close to God, what will he do? He will come close to you. He will, pastor. He'll come close to me. I did this and I did that. I did this and I did that. You need to get out of the conversations of what you did and what you used to be and get into the language of redemption and talk about who you are now that you're in Christ Jesus. Yesterday's gone and must be forgotten. And today's a brand new day. You're a new creation. Oh, thank you, Lord. Amen. And so in Genesis, it says that Enoch lived 60 and five years. He begat Methuselah and Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. I believe that the body of Christ, those that are called by God, those that are chosen of God and ordained of God to bring forth fruit. Those that love him with all of their heart, their mind, and their soul are going to walk with him to such a degree that we'll walk in the power of God, we'll walk in the glory of God, and one day we shall all be changed. In the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be out of here. Amen? So let's not wait till we get to heaven to learn about him and to walk with him. What do you say we do it today? Say it with me real strong. I'm going to do it today. Now here's, here's something interesting. How many of you have heard of the prophet Amos? The prophet Amos. Now I want us to look at Amos uh, chapter 3 if you would. And notice with me in verse 3. What does it Pastor Mark, what does it mean to walk with God? Here's an important truth that Amos revealed to us about how to walk with God. He said, can two walk 
together. Remember, he's looking for what kind of partners? Looking for walking partners. Can two walk together except they be agreed? To walk together, there must be an agreement with him. If I'm going to walk with him, he doesn't need to agree with me. I need to agree with him. Just mark this out. Every time that you and I disagree with him, we are wrong. Why is that? Because he is always right. He's always right. Now, this is an interesting truth here. Notice that verse again. Can two walk together lest they be agreed? That word together. That word together, it gives the idea of two people moving in rhythm together as in riding a tandem bicycle. You know, perhaps you've been down to Monterey or you've been to some places, maybe even San Francisco or some places where people like to ride bikes, a tandem bicycle. You know, you've got to be in rhythm with one another (laughs) to get anywhere on a tandem bicycle. And so must we be in rhythm with him if we're going to get anywhere and go anywhere in life. Now listen to this statement. It's not about getting God into rhythm with us. It is getting ourselves into rhythm with him. Now, I looked up the definition of rhythm And here's just a plain and simple definition of rhythm. Rhythm means a pattern, a flow, or a tempo. A pattern, a flow, or a tempo. So we need then to find his flow, find his rhythm, and then move with him. And so this begs the question, what kind of rhythm... Or what kind of flow is our good, good father in? And immediately it came to me, well, he's in the love flow. He's in the joy flow. He's in the peace flow. He is in the flow of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I want us to take a look at the fruit of the Spirit. Because walking with your father means walking in these fruits of the Spirit that He has so graciously imparted into your life at the new birth. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, He says something like this. He says, walk in the Spirit. Look at your neighbor and say, get in the flow. Look at your neighbor and say, get in rhythm with Him. Oh, in Him we live. In Him we move. And in Him we have our being. Galatians 5.22 says, walk in the Spirit. 5.16, walk in the Spirit, and what will happen? And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, if we will get in the good, good Father's flow, if we will get in the good, good Father's rhythm, then we won't have all these difficulties with the lust of the flesh. We won't fall and stumble at some of the things we fell and stumbled in in the past because we are now 
in rhythm with him. We are now in agreement with him. Now notice some of these fruit in verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. The fruit of the spirit is joy, long suffering and peace, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. In other words, when we are in rhythm with Him and walking in Him and living our life in the Spirit, there is nothing, there is no law that can hold us back or bring us down. And in verse 24 and verse 25, read it with me. Ready, read. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so that is partially what it means to walk with your Father. Say this to me. When I walk in the Spirit, I'm walking in rhythm and in agreement with my Father. Hallelujah. He's looking over this congregation today. He's looking for walking partners. Adam and Eve, the scripture says, they walked in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden with him. That was from the beginning. See, he created you for enjoyment. He created us for a walking relationship. He created us for companionship and dialogue and intimacy. He created us for mutual delight. He created us for shared dominion. I'm telling you, your heavenly Father loves you and he wants you to walk with him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's look at James chapter 4. James the fourth chapter. Now we quoted it. But, you know, how many of you know it's good for your eyes to look on the Scripture? It really is. You know, thank God for, for the screen and, and so forth. But it's important to find the Word for yourself. It's important for you to know where the Scriptures are. And for you to become familiar with them. So in James chapter 4... And uh, notice with me in verse 8, he says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So we draw near, as we said, by faith. Now here's the good news. We do not have to know him vicariously. What do you mean vicariously? Our knowledge of him doesn't have to come through someone else's experience. You know, I really get inspired when when I hear testimonies of what my father has done in other people's lives and for other people. Doesn't that inspire you? But on the inside of me, I'm saying, yes, I rejoice with them, but I'm saying, me too. Me too. How about you? Somebody gets blessed, you ought to say, what? That's not good enough. Somebody gets blessed, you ought to say, what? Me too. Me too. 
Somebody gets a new car, look at the new car, say, oh, man, that's a nice new car. Thank you, Lord. Run and shout. Then when you get in your own car, you say, thank you, Lord, me too. Amen. Somebody sows a chunk of whopper seed in the church of, you know, whatever it might be. And uh, you may have heard about it. You say, thank God for it. But me too. Amen. So you don't have to know him vicariously. You can know him for yourself. I can know him better for myself today than I did yesterday. Our quest should be as the Apostle Paul said. He said, my determined purpose in my life is that I may know him. And when I know him intimately and become more acquainted with him, the power of his resurrection is going to show up in every area of my life. In other words, when I know him, it'll strengthen me and his power will lift me from whatever I need to be lifted from. Hallelujah. Just raise your hands and thank him right now. Father, we thank you for your resurrection power. Glory to God. Now, Jesus had been traveling. His disciples had gone into town to fetch something. And he was over in the area of Samaria. And he came to a well one day, and there was a woman at the well. And so Jesus said to her, please get me or give me something uh, to drink. And the woman from at the well and Samarius was very taken back by it because the Jews really didn't have any dealings with the Samaritans. The Jews looked at the Samaritans as if they were dogs. And so she was very taken back by it. And, uh, and, and, and the woman said to him in verse 11 of John chapter 4, he says, Sir, don't you have anything to draw with? And the well is deep. From whence thou hast thou living water? And uh, Jesus had said to her in verse 10, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. Well, that took her back even a little bit further. And she was kind of questioning what was going on. In verse 13 of John 4, Jesus answered unto her and said, Whosoever drink of this water shall never thirst again. Amen. Whoso drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But verse 14 says, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And in verse 15, the woman said to her, Sir, give me this water, that I may thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I've got no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. He whom thou now is not thy husband, in that thou saidest thou truly. And the woman said, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And so Jesus goes on and talks about worship and he talks about how God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And uh, in verse 25, the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, when he has come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said unto her, I that speaketh unto thee am he. 
And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why thou talkest with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man, which told me all things that ever I did. Is this not the Christ? And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with him, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And in verse 42 it says, And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And so we can know him for ourselves. We should be inspired by other people's testimonies. But there's nothing like getting into this book for yourself. There's nothing like having intimacy with him for yourself. I'm telling you, it is life at its best. Now listen, a lot of people doubt and they think, well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I can get to know him that well i'm i'm thrilled to sit and listen to others and we should sit under anointed teachers should we not we should sit under anointed pastors because you see faith comes by hearing and hearing by what the word of god especially when a man or a woman of god is anointed amen you're getting the anointing in you and all over you when that word's going forth but we don't sit in church 24 hours a day and seven days a week amen but we have the privilege of Jesus living right in our house. Now understand this, and I want you to look closely at this with me. Look at 1 John chapter 2. And notice with me in verse 27. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. But the anointing. <laughs> but the anointing. Do you know that the anointing is in you? Because the anointed one lives on the inside. But the anointing, which you will get one day. No, thank God. But the anointing, which you have received of him, it abides in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as this same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie, even as it is taught you, you shall abide in him. I submit to you today that even though you are hearing me teach and preach the word of God, by God's grace, the anointed one and his anointing is the one that's teaching you. Amen. Amen? And that same anointing and that same anointed one is in your house. And he will reveal, he will show you some things. He will open up revelation knowledge to you. You see, you've got a helper living on the inside of you. He is the Spirit of God. And he will teach you and he will reveal to you and transmit to you the truth of God's word. Amen. Somebody amen. shout amen. amen. So purpose in your heart that you're going to get to know him 
for yourself. And that you're going to walk with your good, good father. Amen? Now, I said earlier, if we are going to experience him, then there must be a seeking that takes place. Scripture says, seek and you shall find. Chronicles says this, now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Set your heart and your mind to seek and to know the Lord your God. There is a setting that must take place in our hearts. And a setting that must take place in our minds. It has to do with focus. I know, as well as you do, that there are many distractions that will try to keep us away from this book. There are many distractions that will try to keep us away from intimacy and prayer with Him. I know that. I have a place in my home that I sit and that I pray in and that I read in and that I declare the Word of God in. But I've noticed this, that at those times when I begin to start and to turn my heart and my soul to him, all of a sudden, a flood of other thoughts come into my mind. Check your emails. I wonder what time the movie starts. Maybe you should go to the Warriors game. How cheap are the tickets on StubHub? You haven't been golfing lately. You better call Brother George so you can go golfing. You don't have any bananas left. You better go to Lucky and get some bananas. Huh? Look, there's some dirt on the floor. You better sweep it up. Well, I don't hear that very often. But we've got to press through the pressure and the distractions to get us off. And that's where focus comes in. And that's where discipline comes in, right? So set your heart and set your mind to read one chapter in Proverbs a day. Set your heart and set your mind to read at least one chapter in the New Testament a day. And don't race through your chapter. Think about what you're reading. Pray about what you're reading. God will speak to you right through the book. I mean, he'll give you a rhema word for you. In your times of fellowship, things perhaps that you've been wondering about and things perhaps that you've been seeking the Lord about, you just open the word and there it is. Or you're praying in the spirit or you're just worshiping the Lord. And all of a sudden, here comes the answer. You see, what you and I set our heart on and our mind on, we open ourselves to. That works positively and that works negatively. One preacher said it like this. What you behold is what you will become. Now, to be carnally minded, we know is death. We don't want anything to do with that. We're in a different flow now, right? We're walking partners with him. 
But to be spiritually minded, it produces life and it produces a peace that passes all understanding. And Isaiah said this, if you'll set your mind on him, if you'll be focused to worship Jehovah Raha, if you'll be focused on the scriptures, if you'll just hum a little tune in your heart to the Lord, if you'll set yourself and your mind on him, what will he do? He'll keep you. What will he keep you in? He will keep you in what? Perfect peace. Perfect peace. Hallelujah. Look at Isaiah 26.3. We're running out of time here. Oh, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Currently minded is death. So when, when you see someone that's all vexed and, and all worried and all just, just in a tissy and frustrated, you know one thing. They're not keeping their mind on him. Say this with me. My mind, my mind. is my mind. my mind. Now let's read verse 3 together. Ready, read. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in me. Now raise your hands and say this with me. Father God, you are so good to me. I purpose in my heart to walk with you. I set myself in agreement with you. I get in to your pattern and to your flow. I set my mind... On my healer and healing scriptures. Not on doctor's reports. Not on pain. And not on the problem. I set my heart and my mind on Jehovah Jireh. On my great provider. Not my problem. I refuse from this day forward to yield to doubt, frustration, or vexing thoughts. I focus my mind upon you. And I say by the word of the Lord that the Lord is good to them that wait for him and to the soul that seeketh him. When you seek him. He will make himself real to you. David sought him with all of his heart. He said, early will I seek thee. He said, my soul is thirsty for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. He says, I'm going to be earnest about seeking you. Even at night, David said, upon my bed, I will meditate upon you because you are my hope. And he said, therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. I'm done preaching now, but I just want to let you know, your good, good father really loves you. And he really wants to walk with you. Amen.